Bring it in, read option pod, getting you ready for week number four in the NFL, week number five in college football. Don't know how college football is already at week five. That's it happens every year, happens every year. Uh, But you know what? We're going to cherish it while it's here. As always, Uh, had me and Vito on the pod on Tuesday, and that means for your Friday pod, it will be me and Scotty. Uh, we had to record a little bit earlier than normal this week, so no veto on the pod today. Just me and Scotty breaking it down. Vito is going to send us his picks, uh, which he did not do last week, so we will have his picks to add. Uh, I will update everybody on that, but before we do that, Scotty, my friend, how are you? How are things? I'm good, man. That was a rough loss by the Niners. Sorry I didn't get to talk about it with you guys on, uh, on uh, Tuesday's pod, but uh, here we are. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see moving forward, but Hey, like you said, week five of college football seems, uh, odd that we're almost halfway home, uh, in the college football season already, but, um, things are just starting to heat up, Jeff. So I'm getting a little excited for conference play here. I'm with you. Um, college football, I feel like is about to get insane. And in the NFL, I mentioned this on Tuesday's pod. Obviously, ugly, ugly game, as you alluded to, on Sunday night, uh, Niners and and the Broncos. And Monday night's game was even worse, uh, some would say, because at least there was some level of excitement in that 11 to 10 weird-ass game on Sunday, right? You had the Jimmy G stepping out of bounds. Um, I mean, that game sucked. I'm not going to try to make it sound like it was interesting. it was bad. Yeah. But at least I will say – yeah, that to put it mildly. Uh, but at least there were some sick-ass punts. Monday night is like a backup quarterback playing a team that has a starting quarterback who should be a backup quarterback, and uh, nothing about Cowboys and Giants is fun. Well, um, I mean, and- the narrative for me and Vito was fun. A little Saquon versus Micah Parsons. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was fun for a select few diehard Penn State fans. I mean, that was, that was about it. Um I mean, I'll tell you what, though, like with that offense, Dallas should have been even more dominant. And now I will say they broke the record for the most QB pressures in an NFL game. So uh, to say that Dallas's defense wasn't dominant is probably disingenuous. Um, but at the same time, I mean, who has Dallas played to this point? Right. They played Tampa Bay and their offense looks anemic. But at the same time, they had five field goals in that game, four field goals in that game. Um, and they got and a touchdown, so they got the ball into the Cowboys zone plenty. And then they played one of the worst offensive lines so far in the NFL with the Bengals and Joe Burrow and everything, and they held up okay. Uh, and then Saquon goes out, and I'll tell you what, man, Saquon looks really good. So the Cowboys held on, get another win, which uh, fans of the NFC East are just annoyed with. I don't know how Cooper Rush is winning football games, but it's really fucking annoying. Uh, and the Cowboys – you know, Cowboys are going to Cowboy, right? Um, I To me, whenever Dak comes back, I don't think Dak is going to all of a sudden take this roster and the way that they're built right now and turn them into anything spectacular. So uh, as an Eagles fan, I, I still feel as confident. We're officially down to two undefeated teams left, one team without a win. 
Uh, and again, we're only through three weeks, but I do feel, and I did say this on Tuesday's pod, just the parody in, in the NFL right now, it, it's at an all time high, man. Um, there's so many good quarterbacks. There's so many good weapons. There's so many good skill guys. Even the backups on teams are good. Uh, you know, Alexander Madison for Minnesota, for example, right. Coming in and having a strong game uh, after Dalvin cook goes out. So uh, there's just so much parody in the NFL and it makes for really compelling weeks. And we're going to need it this week because the matchups this week are not great. And we're going to do what we do every Friday. We're going to go through each of the games, preview the games, give you guys our picks uh, and with that, I'll update everybody on our, our standings here. Uh, Scotty crushing it still overall. Uh, Scotty is 36, 30 and one myself. I'm 35, 39 and one and Vito, uh, he missed an opportunity last week to get some points back. He's sitting at 42 or sorry, 14 and 32, uh, and college football is where Scotty has his big lead 11, three and one against yeah. the spread. I'm going to start a super follow on Twitter. Those of you who want to join can uh, catch my college gambling picks. Uh, super follow at S underscore Miller five. I'm just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I might hey, do that. You say, I you, might say do that, that. you say that now and then, you know, who knows? Maybe this heat, this heater continues. I mean, you're on an unreal stretch here to start off the season. Uh, you never know how long that'll last. So to me, I mean, Hey, never say never Scotty. Uh, Vito is 14 and eight in college and I'm 12, 10 and one. So all of us above 500 in college, uh, in the NFL, Scotty, you are 25 and 27. Vito is 10 and 24 and I am 23 and 29. So, uh, lots of room for improvement. Um, I know some, some people from what I've seen based off of people who share picks and are, and, and share their records and whatnot on social media, you're either tearing it up so far or you're absolutely abysmal. Like there haven't been a whole lot of people just hanging around that 500 zone. It's been a really, really tough, uh, slow, you know, go of it so far. So I, I think, I think that means that we're all due. I mean, I started off, I think I was like nine and five to start off um, in the opening window or seven and three or something like that. Uh, and then the back half just absolutely crushed me. So uh, there is, there is some good things to uh to be done here and uh i'm i'm excited so let's say uh let's start here let's start with thursday night because we were going through this before um thursday night seems to be one of only a handful of really compelling games in the nfl this week uh the miami dolphins on short rest after an exhausting game uh against the bills they're flying to cincinnati to take on the Bengals. uh and despite the dolphins being undefeated and and looking like a, a very highly competitive team the miami dolphins are a four-point underdog on the road against the cincinnati Bengals. uh scotty what say you uh i am riding with the dolphins i'm in the pod um on the pod because this team to me last week proved in some of the most dire of of circumstances uh weather-wise some of the most extreme uh, pressures you can put your body under uh, playing in a football game in that weather. The fortitude to come through that game uh, physically uh, and mentally, I think, because uh, that's a big part of it too uh, when you're playing Josh Allen and, and the Bills. Uh, I, I think that they showed a lot to me. And, and I think before that, even the, through the first two games, 
Um, even even that weird win against Baltimore, um, we were still like, okay, prove it. Um, and, and I think they did a lot of that last week. Now they're going to be facing a Cincinnati team who's on the upswing, uh, a similar similar type team who who's like uh, they they've got enough weapons on offense. And uh, and the the big question marks we had through through the year and and for the Bengals through the end of last year as well was uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, what Miami shows on offense, I think, is well within the range of. And I think, did you have it at four? Right now, Cincinnati is a four point favorite at home. Yeah. Um, I, I I I'm still going to stick with Miami. I just think the speed is going to be too good for that that Bengals defense to to overcome. Um, and then on offense, you know, you not you don't know what you're going to get out of Mixon. He's been terrible all year. Um, he's had the most uh, the most touches with the least uh, or the lowest level of efficiency uh, for a running back this season or, or a top running back this season. And I, I I just don't know that that offense knows what it is yet. Um, and, and they're still kind of figuring it out and the offensive line figured it out a little bit last week, but, uh, I, I'm not sold yet. They still have a lot of growth, uh, for a team that, uh, that is still trying to, to figure itself out uh, on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to stick with Miami because they, uh, they seem to have, have clicked on something last week and figured it out. Well, and as we have been recording this, Vito sent me his picks. Vito will also be on the Dolphins with you there, Scotty. I don't like my allies. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati here. Um, I will say the biggest concern is the revenge game from uh, Tyreek Hill versus Eli Apple. Uh, remember all the drama and all the back back and forth that they had during the AFC Championship game last year. I do think Tyreek Hill is going to be on a bit of a mission, but uh, we're still unclear whether or not two is going to play. Uh, if he doesn't play, it's Teddy Bridgewater. Now the Browns have some bad experiences on Thursday night against backup quarterbacks. You remember the Mike White game last year, throwing for 400 yards for the New York Jets to take down the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. But I uh, two back-to-back emotional, hard-fought wins, and then you're coming in on short rest. You're traveling. Uh, you got your family and everyone else back in Miami who – uh, are dealing with this hurricane that's coming through. Oh, well, they're safe in uh, Miami. Fair. Um, but nonetheless, it just seems like there's going to be a lot uh, on on the plates here of the of the Miami Dolphins. And I still, for as good as they've looked during stretches, and obviously they, they had a huge hard-fought win there, I don't know if this is going to be a spot for them. And I, and I don't love – the corners and the defense played out of their mind against Josh Allen – Back-to-back performances like that, now you're going going up against Joe Burrow. The pass rush for Miami is decent. It's not great. I think they've kind of overperformed. Um, Melvin Ingram's looking like he was the guy from, you know, two or three years ago compared to yeah. the guy that, you know, <laughs> we were used to seeing at least last year. I just think Joe Burrow gets it done. Um, and it's four points, and that's a lot to cover, and and I get that. But uh, I don't know, man. There's There's something about this Miami team that just hasn't quite sat right. You know, a lot of people want to jump on the two and on bandwagon. A lot of people want to jump on the uh, Mike McDaniel bandwagon, who I think is a fantastic head coach. And I think long-term the Dolphins are going to be good, but this is still a first-year head coach, uh, and they've flown by the seat of their pants now back-to-back weeks and have barely snuck away with wins. And there's, some, there's something that's, you know, you deserve credit for that. 
but I don't know how sustainable that is. So I think Cincinnati comes in. I think they get a big win. I'm taking the Bengals on Thursday night. Um, let's jump now. We have our first London game of the year. You excited for a London game, Scotty? You know, I'm not. Um, and I'll tell you why. It, it, it's not, you know, I love the fact that we get football at 930. You wake up and it, sleep in a little bit on Sunday. Uh, those of you that do, uh, and right away we get football instead of having to wait till one o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, for those of you on the West Coast, those listeners, uh, guess what? You, you've got an uh, an early alarm coming at you on Sunday morning. Uh, if you're if you're really into this Vikings and Saints game, I doubt many of you are, but if you are, uh, so be it. I'm not a fan because it's another game that gets taken off of the red zone slate. Uh, we already have two, three uh, with the Thursday, Sunday, and uh, and Monday night games, and, and that's just. I love the 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 first couple weeks when we have those like 13 games on uh, on red zone. Uh, you take away one, that's 12, and now we got to push uh, an Arizona Carolina game, which we'll get to over in Carolina to the to the late window just to to cover it. And it just takes away from the from red zone. And and I'm not a fan. I I, I by and large, I'm not a fan. Why? What are we doing over in London anyway? I, I mean, spreading the game what, for what? Uh, game. The one thing I'll say is that at least it's before the buys sit in, right? Because in years past, you have this game come when there are buys. So that would be even one less game, potentially more than that. Yeah, they're expanding the international series too, right? Yeah, we we will have more of them. Munich and and Mexico City, which is, you know, time zone wise, it's fine, but... but yeah, there's there's more than one international game. The Munich game, what's that going to be? Like at 7.30? I'll say this. I, it's nice that there's at least, for, for once, the East Coast viewers get the benefit here. You know, because I've said forever, the West Coast, Central Time, Mountain Time, they're all better for football watchers. You don't have to wait for half your day to be over to start watching football. And then next thing you know, it's it's 10 o'clock at night and you've done nothing but yeah. watch that. This is yeah, the you're one telling me. time that the East Coast watchers <laughs> – get a chance to have the upper hand. So I'll take it for that. I wish it was a better game. Uh, Minnesota at New Orleans technically, but again, we know this game's in uh, in, in London right now. Um, Minnesota is a three-point favorite over the Saints. Um, so far, after a monstrous week one, Justin Jefferson has been a bit of a I don't want to say no show because he's just gone up against good defensive backs. I mean, Jeff Akuda has been playing out of his mind so far this year. And uh, obviously Darius Slay being arguably one of the top two or three corners in football so far in 2022. But I, uh, I, I think this is a, a classic Kirk cousins puts up numbers again, but it's not like the ugly comeback game. Like he had this past week, you know, like Kirk cousins put up ugly, put up big numbers, even though he was just checking the ball down constantly and they still came away with a win by the skin of their teeth, taking down Detroit last week. I think Kirk cousins will look a little bit better. I think between Thielen and Justin Jefferson, they get some things going. I'll say right now, I'm not a believer in this new Orleans saints team. I know they were one of the trendy picks. Ultimately my biggest concern with considering them one of those trendy picks is that, yeah, but, you got Jameis on the other side. Like Jameis, Jameis is still the quarterback of this team. And, and I can only say this because Vito's not here. Jameis isn't a great quarterback. 
He's fun and electric, and he'll put up points, and maybe there's a backdoor cover in the fourth quarter. But when it's only three points, I do think the Vikings are the better football team, uh, and I think Minnesota gets it done. I'm going to take the Vikings. Ooh, see, here's my problem. The last two games that they've played a really good defense and Justin Jefferson has been absent, there's still been no Adam Thielen and still no been K.J. Osborne. And still, uh, except for last week when he caught the game-winning touchdown, uh, and still no Dalvin Cook out of the backfield, who's now banged up with a dislocated shoulder, expected to play, though, I believe still on Sunday. Um, and so what are we relying on? Kirk Cousins to to pull a rabbit out of the hat at 3.30 uh, when, when it gets down to the wire? That's not for me, Clive. I'm not here for that, and, and neither is Kirk Cousins because his whole stat line is is – it comes out looking in the end brilliant, but it's games like this games where he's not going to have the opportunity against a good defense. Uh, Justin Jefferson getting covered by Lattimore. Uh, like I don't see a, a world where, where Kirk cousins can, can thrive and survive in that game. Uh, the defense wins the day for me uh, for the saints. And I'm going to take them in this ball game. Uh, the other thing of uh, Vikings to uh, betting wise Vikings are two and six against the spread in the last eight times they've played each other. Now we're on neutral ground, hot Spurs, uh, Tottenham hotspur stadium, go Spurs. That's my team uh, in the, uh, in the EPL, but uh, I don't think that's going to make a difference. Uh, I, I really think the Saints defense is going to hold the day and, uh, and they have enough on offense. Chris Olave flashed a, a big uh, part of his game last week. And if James can just get the ball to him and let him go run, uh, and and get the ball to him in his superior route running. I think that, uh, that that they'll be okay enough on offense to put themselves in position to win the game. I just don't – I'm not a huge believer of the Saints' defense either this year. I, I feel like, you know, obviously the game against Tampa Bay is a little bit different. I mean, they looked amazing in that game, but they've looked amazing in that game for now for three years playing Tom Brady since he's been in Tampa Bay. That's a, It's a weird divisional kind of matchup there. Uh, other than that, they gave up – what, 26, 26 points against the Falcons in week one? Uh, and then last week, they didn't look great either against the Panthers. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with my pick in Minnesota. Uh, Vito is with you, however, which is not surprising. Oh, boy. Sticking oh, with his boy, boy. Jameis. Uh, I think <laughs> I think that, that tracks for our boy, our boy Vito. Um, let's talk about one of the other good, high-quality games, uh, at least projected, that we'll have on Sunday. The Jacksonville Jaguars going to Philadelphia, the return of Dougie P to the link. Um, first and foremost, though, where would you put the odds at Eagles fans booing Peterson? Um, I think when he first gets out on the field, it'll be great. Uh, after that, it's it's anyone's guess. So I'm going to go 60-40 booing uh, way as, wow. as, far as, uh, as far as that goes. I think he gets after, a, after his initial stint mm -hmm. on the field. I I think because he's a player, we won't see a whole lot of. I mean, the Eagles will boo whoever they play, so Eagles fans will boo whoever they play. So that's going to happen one way or another. But I do think that um, Doug will get a standing ovation. I think they're going to put together a video montage, and I think the city is going to shock the world and show nothing but love and admiration for the only coach in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles to raise the Lombardi trophy. I think Doug gets a very, very warm welcome. And I will be one of those people 
clapping along and standing from my couch and uh, crying probably eh, maybe not quite there um <laughs> depends on if i'm hung over or not probably uh <laughs> so uh this is an interesting game the jaguars have the number one uh point differential sorry other than the buffalo bills have the number one point differential in the nfl um they shut out indianapolis in week two they beat the shit out of the chargers in week three uh I know people want to jump on the Jaguars bandwagon and I'll say this right now. The Jags are really solid football team. This is what Doug does best taking a young team that needs direction, giving it to them, giving them stability, but I'm not quite ready to jump on them and say, Hey, like this team is here. They're going to be competitors. They very well might win the AFC South. That's because the AFC South might also be the worst division in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think at this point, I mean, look, the Eagles are a six and a half point favorite. That line seems really high considering how good the Jags defense has played. But again, consider the opponents, right? Carson Wentz and the Washington commanders beat Jacksonville in week one. Carson connected on multiple deep balls, uh, which ultimately is what saved them there at the end, but still, they hung around that game, didn't look like they were a world beater. Then you look at the week after that they play Indy. We know the weird history between Indy and Jacksonville, uh, and that offense is not particularly explosive. So if you can manage the run a little bit and get some pressure, I think you'll be all right. Uh, and then last week against the Chargers, with especially as Rashawn Slater, Joey Bosa, uh, no Keenan Allen, J.C. Jackson still banged up, Justin Herbert's banged up. It was a shell of the version of the Chargers that we were anticipating seeing. And one of the things that all of those teams had in combined, especially after Rashawn Slater went out, is not a you know mediocre at best offensive line. You know, I think Indianapolis's offensive line, because of Quentin Nelson, we have overrated them because he's so good at that guard spot. But as a collective, we've overrated that unit a lot. And I don't know if we've seen the Jaguars defense tested because I'll tell you one thing, their secondary is not that great. Um, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, has played amazing, but it's still a rookie middle linebacker. I think the Eagles should definitely be the favorites here. I think the Eagles will win the game. It's just a matter of can they cover the six and a half, Scotty? I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I, I think because you mentioned the offensive lines, so that's a critical part of, of the game. Of course, we always talk about how important the trenches are. But I think the the offensive line they played last week, uh, they were able to to get after Justin Herbert a little bit. Uh, where the Eagles can find success is getting back into the run game. They haven't had a lot of that over the last two games. Uh, and, and so if they can get back into the run game a little bit, uh, even if, if including Jalen, uh, you know, uh, he had 90 rushing yards two weeks ago and he, he didn't run. Of course, he didn't have to run. Uh, last week against Washington. Um, well, Washington so I think, also sold out against the run. That was one of the things I talked right. about. Each week, the Eagles' offense has faced a different style of, and and theory of defense as to how do we stop this offense. And so far, the teams are zero and three. But um, yep, not to interrupt. And for 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 Jacksonville's offense, I think just keep plugging away. Like let one of the most amazing things I've seen this year uh, has been. Doug Peterson letting uh, Trevor Lawrence just do his thing. Like you don't have to stand in the pocket. We're actually better on offense when you're out of the pocket. 
make moves, make things happen. Uh, and, and then obviously, you know, getting James Robinson involved. He had a big run last week. That was a lot of his or half of his rushing total. But still, like getting James Robinson involved has been huge this season uh, for the run game. It's going to be harder to run against this defensive line, uh, you know, compared to the offensive line that uh, that Jacksonville's throwing out there. But I think this game can get one through the air because they have enough on offense to to confuse uh, a decent linebacking and really solid secondary. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence can can sling it with the best of them. I truly believe that on offense for the Eagles, I, I you know, prove it to me in the second half. I, I keep saying this for the last couple of weeks. Score in the second half. You can't do it. And and I don't know why, uh, but. Jacksonville is a more consistent team, uh, scoring wise and moving the ball in the in the second, third, and fourth quarter uh, than Philadelphia has looked to me this season, and that is why I am riding with Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars in this one to cover. Yeah, I, the more it's it's happened, the less worried I am about the second half thing with the Eagles. Um, they a they've been able to move the ball in both second halves, uh, multiple deep plays that got taken back from stupid penalties. Um, particularly in that Monday night game, the, the play with Jalen Hurts rolling out to his left. He threw the 35-yard seed. They got called back for a bullshit holding penalty on Malata. Um, see, here's the thing, Scotty. You don't have to worry about scoring points in the second half when you're up 24 points in the first. But uh, and, Trevor and, Lawrence is going to put up more. That's all I'm saying. Like, the guys you play against here, are not going to put up those do, points. But how do we know that? Who has what, Who are the secondaries that Trevor Lawrence has played against and he's been successful? And I the, love the Trevor Chargers. <laughs> The Chargers have a terrible secondary. J.C. Jackson's the only bright spot on there, and he's bare. He was barely healthy enough to play last week. Washington has a horrible secondary, right? And Indianapolis has a horrible secondary, and none of those teams have good defensive lines or good defenses. Period. So far this year, I mean, I I love Trevor Lawrence. I love this story, Jacksonville, and there's a part of me that's wants to take Jacksonville because I think Jacksonville is a better team than than what the national people say because this line is too much but i also feel like beating the chargers the way that they did in the afternoon slot when there's less games on tv they got more shine you know the stat that's like doug peterson already tied for fifth most wins in jacksonville history right you know because he tied urban meyer who had two total wins (laughs) two wins ring of honor how about that the literally the chargers were missing their four best players or, or if they were playing, they were playing hurt. But three of their top four were out of the game. And then if you want to say they're four of their top five, if you want to put J.C. Jackson in their top five best players category, two of the five and Herbert and Jackson were both really banged up playing through injury. So while on one hand, I do love what I'm seeing from Jacksonville and they're really fun and I hope that they go on and win the division and win nine or ten games. So far... We haven't seen them really been been tested. And th- remember, they lost to Washington, who has proven themselves to be a terrible football team. So while this team has talent, they have some fun weapons on the outside. Christian Kirk is not beating Darius Slay. You know, Marvin Jones Jr. is not beating James Bradbury. That hey, offensive you line. Say Jones, you got uh Evan Fine. Ingram that's put, and then working. Put any of them up against anyone in the Eagles secondary that's graded out as the number one secondary in football so far this year, and I will take that. I'll take that 10 times out of 10. How are they going to run the ball against the number two rated linebacker in all of the NFL and TJ Edwards and a fantastic defensive line? And this is the last thing I'll say about this game. 
Jacksonville's offensive line, because uh, Vito and I were talking about this on Tuesday's pod. Their offensive line has overachieved from what I thought they would. Cam Robinson uh, on the outside, they go out and get Brandon Sheriff, right? They haven't played a good pass rush. And the best pass rush of the ones that they did play was Washington. And Eagles, the Eagles defensive line is significantly better than Washington. So I think the Eagles defense is by far the best team that they've played. I think the Eagles offense is by far the best offense that they played, given the fact that Keenan Allen wasn't playing in that game and Rashawn Slater weren't playing in that game against the Chargers. It's a lot of points, but when your team's 3-0 and and they've looked as good as they have and the offense has moved, I'm taking Philly. I'm riding with Philly. So go Birds. I've taken Philly each week so far to cover, um, and right now they're 2-1 and against the spread. So we'll see if that trend continues. Uh, moving on here, Cleveland and Atlanta. Uh, the Browns coming off of the Thursday night win over the Steelers. The Falcons get their first win of the year against the Seahawks. And I'm just going to say it right now, Scotty. I love this Falcons team, not as a team that I think is going to go win a Super Bowl or a team that I think is a, a contender. This team is just fun to watch. They're De- gritty. The defense is way better than they were a year ago. The offensive line is way better than they were a year ago. They have Drake London, who so many people thought like, oh, another tall athletic USC wide receiver. Oh, I'm sure this is going to work well. Well, people had kind of slept on Michael Pittman, but nonetheless, you're thinking of the Aguilars. You can go back through the history of USC wide receivers. Yeah, right? But Well, equanimous, at least. I was going to say, yeah, equanimous St. Brown with the USC. <laughs> um, not, not quite Amon. But I'll just – I don't know, man. This team's just fun. The, who, do you know who the number two rusher in the NFL is right now? Mm, Cordero but, Patterson. I was going to say it's a leading question, so I was hoping you're going to get it right, but it's Cordero <laughs> Patterson. I mean, this this Falcons team is just fun, and this Browns team is really fun to root against, not just because of the Deshaun Watson stuff, but because they play a really <laughs> ugly style of football. And I'll say this. I am happy for Jacoby Brissett, whose career was all but written off after how terrible he looked last year. But I think this Falcons team's pretty good, and they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Browns team that I don't think is very good. And the Falcons damn near came back to beat the Rams, had a chance at the end. Mariota's fun to watch. Love watching him play. Um, who do they – they they should have beaten the Saints in week one, and they blew that game at the very end. And even still, Youngway had a chance at the end to get a kickoff to potentially win it. The Falcons are like five plays away from being three and up, which is crazy considering what our expectations for them were going into this year. I'm I'm taking the Falcons outright. I think the Falcons win this game. I think they cover. I I love this Atlanta team. They're so much fun to watch. Might be a dumb pick, um, but with no Jadavian Clowney, potentially no Miles Garrett too after the car accident that he's had this week. Mm. Thoughts and prayers to Miles Garrett. Um, I think the Falcons might have a really good. I think they do have a really good chance to win this game, and I think there's value here. And I'm taking the Falcons as a home underdog. That's not bad. One of the things I like uh, before we go back, what was e- uh, Vito's pick on the the Jacksonville Eagles game? Sorry, thank you. Uh, Vito also took the Eagles. Oh wow, what a shock! Um, <laughs> uh, so where was I? Oh, Cleveland. All right. So I think they're uh, one of the one of their strengths has been the depth on the defensive line. And, you know, Miles Garrett, you can't say enough about about him. He's a potential deep boy candidate. Jadavian Clowney's been lights out since he's been there as well. Really helpful. Uh, I think this is one of the spots where Arthur Smith gets a little cute and starts, you know, the uh, the load management stuff with Cordell Patterson after the week he had last week. So I think you'll see a lot of Tyler Algier. Um, 
out of the backfield as well. I don't think either of those guys, if you if if Alger is going to take even forty five percent or forty percent of of the snaps out of the backfield next week to to combat some of the load management for Cordero, it's going to be tough for for them to run against the the Cleveland Browns defensive line, who's uh, who's been really Missing good against their the top two defensive linemen. Yeah, I, I still think even with the depth that they have, that's one of their strengths is is how I led this. So uh, b- besides that, I think. What what Jacoby Brissett's been able to do throwing the ball over the past two weeks has been relatively impressive, considering we were coming in saying Nick Chubb's going to have six thousand yards this year. Uh, because why would you even let Jacoby Brissett throw the ball? But he's been doing a really good job with uh, with Amari Cooper in particular. David and Joku had an amazing game last year uh, or last last week. Sorry, um, and uh, and Donovan Peoples Jones, who has yet to break out this season. I think that's one of the guys to keep an eye on as well. So covering all three of those guys for the Falcons defense is going to be a task, plus the two running backs out of the backfield. I think the Cleveland offense has too much firepower for what has been a really good defense so far this year in Atlanta. Don't get me wrong. I like them a lot. It's a frisky team. It's a it's an overachieving defense for sure. Uh, actually, on both sides of the ball, I think. Uh, but I think Cleveland has too much on offense, uh, too many good skill players on offense, and, and enough depth on defense to to keep them covered. Uh, you know, go let Drake London and and maybe Kyle Pitts get theirs, but keep everything else in front of you. And I think they have enough to stop the run too. So I'm going to take Cleveland in this game. All right, we will see. Uh, Vito also with you taking the Browns here minus Crap. one and a half on the road. <laughs> uh, let's go to a gross NFC East game here. Uh, the one of the other one o'clock starts. The Washington Commanders going to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is a three and a half point favorite at home. Cooper Rush has looked um, serviceable, but at some point, Cooper Rush is still a backup, right? And I know that it's fun when you when you look on Twitter and they're all of a sudden you see you know speak for yourself or whatever the Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp show is, and they're debating should the should the Cowboys keep. You know, should they stick with, uh, um, you know, Cooper Rush instead of Dak Prescott? I, look, there is an expiration date on every single backup quarterback who comes in for an extended period of time. And the fact that the Cowboys have stolen two wins here is, especially one of them being against Cincinnati, is really impressive. The one thing I'll say is the Cowboys defensive line, Demarcus Lawrence looks like he's rejuvenated. Um, Trayvon Diggs is not good. He's just flat out not good. But – what they I were going say. after him. Uh, the Giants were going after yeah. him. Yeah. Like, and Daniel Jones and their third string wide receiver because Kadarius Tony's hurt again well, and Kenny Galladay is not even on the field anymore. So, yeah, well, he's not even in the locker room. Uh, uh, did you hear? Did you watch the Manning cast? Did you happen to watch any of it during uh, the Monday Night Football game? I did not. No. Uh, they were talking all night. Uh, Peyton was going double move on Travion. Easy. Like, as he was reading the coverage, just double move on Travion. The guy's going to be wide open all the time. Well, and this is and what I said going worked. into the season, right? You know, like Travion, yeah, he had, what, 11 or 12 interceptions, whatever it was last year. He had an unbelievable season. But there were, so I think in one Eagles game alone, he had two tipped interceptions that fell to him perfectly, and that was in, like, one game. Uh, he can make big plays, but he's not a good just straight-up coverage safety. Like, I would take Darius Slay or A.J. Terrell from Atlanta or any of these guys who are just good, consistent coverage safeties who eliminate their guys from the games rather than the guy who may get lucky a few times and be at the right place at the right time and make a big play. You know, I want my defensive ends 
to be the guys who like, oh yeah, he's got a bunch of sacks, you know, he can get or generates a lot of pressures. Um, but you know, he's he can be a little boomer bust at times. Like I'd rather take that risk with a defensive end than with my cornerback, particularly in today's NFL. And look, I don't think Washington's a very good football team. I think they're gonna have a lot of trouble trying to block this Cowboys front. Um, and grossly enough, I think I'm leaning towards taking Dallas in this game. But I will say that Washington's got a bunch of really, really good wide receivers on that team, and Dallas' the secondary is not good. Now, if it's pressure, you know, if they're 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 not going to well, be coverage yeah. sacks, but it'll be the opposite of that, right? Especially with yeah. Carson, right? Like that's if, that's if they the just, thing. If they generate so much pressure that Carson just doesn't have time, like they did against the Eagles, then that's going to be a problem for Washington. And I feel like Dallas is going to kind of just let. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons kind of go out there and eat and get theirs. Um, so I'm leaning towards Dallas right now, but at the same time, I just, it's crazy to me that Dallas could theoretically win three straight games with Cooper rush. And I just have a hard time believing that I feel like at some point that runs out and Zeke hasn't looked good. Tony Pollard's looked okay. Uh, CD land. Oh, you know, it was over hundred yards last week. True. Um, but Either way, like CeeDee Lamb has had his moments. He had the great one-handed touchdown pass to win the game on Monday night, but he also dropped the wide-open one, too. And he, he well, no, Brown's been, been better with Cooper Rush than CeeDee Lamb has been. For sure. And that has to do, I would guess, at least with, you know, preseason working in, in training camp and whatnot together. Um, and, and I just, for as talented as CeeDee is, he can't do it all himself. Now, we also might see the return of uh, Michael Gallup this week, too. Uh, which would help out this Cowboys offense theoretically. Uh, so I'm going to take Dallas. I don't like it because, again, I don't like betting on a backup quarterback <laughs> to win three straight games. But I just think the Washington offensive line is really bad, and I think the pressure that's going to get generated with uh, with Parsons and, and Lawrence is going to be too much. Listen, if you win this game, if you're the Cowboys – if you're Jerry Jones, you have to start thinking hard about where you're valuing uh, the money at the quarterback position. And, hey, Cooper Rush wins you three games in a row. Take a hike, Dak. We're taking the value of quarterback and going to get some more skill positions. I would uh, love that. I would love that so much. <laughs> wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, watch no, Jerry but... Jones stick with Cooper Rush over Dak Prescott. <laughs> Nothing would it make would... me happier. It would be uh, it would be unprecedented, uh, but not out of the realm of possibility for Jerry Jones to pull. Um, like the the Commanders have stunk uh, against against Dallas over the past uh, what almost five years now. Uh, they're one and four against the spread. I don't think you know, like you talk about the secondary of, of Dallas. Uh, the wide receiving core in in Washington is good. And, and a lot of their success has come off of the guys who have been able to uh, spread it out a little bit uh, among Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis, Curtis Samuel, Samuel, and Jahan Dotson. Uh, and, and one of those guys is going to get theirs because they're drawing uh, safety help over or or, or what have you, um, or double covered on corners or, or, or whatever the case may be. So uh, the problem is, and I think you nailed it, Jeff, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to have the time to be able to throw the ball. This Washington offensive line is not good. Carson Wentz has looked almost abysmal as far as decision-making goes. Uh, and, and I think that continues this week. Michael Parsons is going to be in his face. And and I I know Dallas gets fired up for divisional games. They definitely get fired up against Washington. Dallas has covered six straight divisional games, and I'm going to take them here too. Yeah, and, you know, I, well, 
Carson has never played well against Dallas. He's never played he's well. Four and in, four. Yeah. He's and he's never played well in. I'd be curious as to where those losses were too, because I would bet that almost all of them it. are in Dallas. Uh, Carson never played well in that stadium when he was an Eagle. I think that trend continues. However, if you're making the case for Washington, Ron Rivera, you just got embarrassed by this Eagles defensive front. The offensive line got embarrassed. This is an opportunity for them to to set the record straight, to show out, to to be to show people that hey, that last week was an aberration. Just as a big bounce back game with an old school head coach like Ron Rivera, like you know, you got embarrassed. He's what one is- and four against Dallas in Dallas. At Dallas, yeah. yeah. So. Again, I, I do think Dallas wins the game. Uh, I could see this being a field goal game. So, uh, unfortunately, the hook, I think, is might come into play here with Dallas being a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But uh, all three of us, Vito included, are on the Cowboys. So, we'll see. Uh, all right, next up, Seahawks at the Lions, a pair of one-and-two teams. But, man, do they feel worlds apart when it comes to uh, difference from the eye test versus what the records say. Uh, Detroit's a good football team, and they let – they let the game last week slip away from them. This is a big game for Detroit because if Detroit is as good as they've looked, this is a game that they have to win, right? This is a game where you're playing a bad team at home in a raucous environment. You almost stole one against the division rival. You should, I mean, you should have beaten on the road in Minnesota. Um, They almost came back and beat the Eagles in week one. And then they stole one against a Washington team uh, didn't steal one, but they beat a Washington team pretty soundly, even though Carson Wentz tried to come back there in the second half. This is a game that if you're the Lions, this is one that you have to win. This is a game that you prove that, hey, we are not the same Lions as last year. We're not going to play down to our competitions. And after losing that game the way that it did last week, I know DeAndre Swift likely isn't playing. Um, I think he's doubtful for this week was the last update that I saw with him. Uh, Jamal Williams is still back there. Amon Ross St. Brown's likely to play. Uh, you'll be able to run the ball. Seattle has no pass rush, so your offensive line should dominate. You should have plenty of time for Jared Goff to throw the football. I really, really like Detroit here. I'm taking Detroit. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I think they win by a touchdown, if not more. And I think this is a this is a prove-it game to us, Detroit, saying that we're not the Lions of old. This is the next step that we take. This is that step because they're not good enough to be a Super Bowl team. They're they're a borderline playoff team if some breaks fall their way. But this is a game to prove that, hey, when we have an inferior opponent in front of us, we're going to step on their throat and we're not going to keep them in this game. And I think Detroit does that. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think I think you nailed everything on the head. Offensively for Detroit, too, I think, you know, Jamal Williams is a service. He's, we always talk about handcuffs in fantasy football, right? Well, this is one of the guys you want uh, on your team. And because he's such a good uh, number two back uh, with starting experience, too. So Jamal Williams getting the start there, likely. Craig Reynolds has been very serviceable. Uh, behind that, when when DeAndre Swift was out last year, Craig Reynolds was very effective, especially in the red zone last year. Uh, so both of those guys, uh, Jamal Williams and Craig Reynolds, are going to be uh, are going to be used quite a bit, I think, uh, against this defense, which is abysmal against the run uh, of Seattle's defense. And and look, the the only other saving grace I, I can say for Seattle is their offense sometimes looks good when Geno's able to. S- sling it a little bit and, and get it to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf who have had boom bust games over the past couple of weeks. 
Uh, but I don't, again, this is another one. And I don't Lockett's think they're going to banged he, up too. I mean, yeah, he's banged up. He, he was, he went out of the game last week. I don't think again, though, that Gino's going to have enough time to make the decision to throw the ball that the defensive line for Detroit was good. Two weeks ago against yeah. Washington, they got after it and they followed it up again against a pretty, Oh, like m- much better offensive line, much improved offensive line for Minnesota. Uh, I, I think this is another big Aiden Hutchinson game. Uh, real yeah, quick, I, real, I, real quick, real, uh, real quick on Craig. Yeah, uh, it's you'll see when I finish my sentence. Real quick on Craig Reynolds. Um, so Craig Reynolds is the younger brother of Eric Reynolds, who went to Central Bucks South High School, the same high school. Oh that wow, I did, the Titans. Um, who's uh, Eric up. Reynolds? We called him E Ray. I was, I think, in like sixth, maybe seventh grade when Eric Reynolds was on the team uh, before Josh Adams was the best player in the oh, history yeah. of uh, my high school um, ended up falling in trouble with some, some legal stuff, but I was watching hard knocks and they did one of the off the field things about Craig Reynolds FaceTiming with Eric from prison. Oh, wow. And uh, it was so wild. Cause all of a sudden they cut to a picture of Eric when he was playing and he was wearing, and it was like whole, out of nowhere, the central book South, High school logo was on hard knocks. And I was like, yo, this that fucking crazy. And like tighten up. Not everybody who who listens to this pod knows the history of my high school, but my high school wasn't didn't exist until 2005. So it's still relatively new, all things considered. So we've only had a handful of and Eric Reynolds was like that first guy, and he was unbelievable, man. I mean, he was he had a full ride to Boston College um to go play running back there. And and he was he actually was ranked ahead of Matt Ryan. They were the same class, uh, same high school class. And E-Ray was actually ranked ahead of Matt Ryan um, in the all in the all decade team when they did. The I believe 2000s. that was my class, Jeff. Uh, well, no, that's what, I said, that's what I said. I said on the all decade team. Mm. Nice. So they had wow, an all, I didn't know they, that story. Yeah, they had an all Pennsylvania decade team. And at least for the the Philadelphia area, and Eric Reynolds was the number one quarterback, and Matt Ryan was the number two quarterback. So goes to show you how talented he was. But definitely a sad story. Um, however, good for Craig Reynolds to use it as motivation to to get himself there, and he's going to get an opportunity on Sunday too. So a uh, way to tie it all together. So all three of us are on Detroit this week, uh, which gives us back to back games. Where was Vito on Dallas? Watch, I probably he was. Dallas. He, he was on Dallas as well. So all three <laughs> yeah. of us are on Dallas. All three of us are on Detroit. Um, all right, moving up here, an AFC South matchup. This is a game that we'll, we will look back on, I think, towards the end of the year as an important game because we have the, the Tennessee yeah. Titans going to Indianapolis here. The Colts are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this screams ugly, close game to me. This, this screams Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor each get a touchdown. This screams Tannehill throwing an interception, Matt Ryan throwing an interception, and one of these two quarterbacks getting the ball late with a chance to go down and kick a field goal to win the game. Uh, right now, the Colts being a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Indy, because I do think it's going to be a field goal game, I'm going to take Tennessee to cover the spread. Um, I think this game's closer to a pick than it is the other way around. Uh, the Colts coming off of a huge win where they threw a lot of emotion, a lot of energy in there. You could argue that it was, it might have saved uh, Frank Reich's job and they could very well win this game late. But I, I think this is just going to be a knockdown drag out. I think it's less than three points. So I'm going to take the Titans to cover, um, hmm. especially getting that hook there at the end. 
Wow, that's a good pick. I mean, the the road team is six and one against the spread in the last seven meetings uh, that they've played each other, uh, which is frequently because they're in the same division. So twice a year, you do the math. Uh, but look, Indianapolis is is coming off an emotional win to be sure. But I think one of the strengths was the fact that their defense played so well against the pass and made Patrick Mahomes kind uh, kind of guess back there in the in the backfield. Some of that was the play calling, as we've seen with uh, with him. You know, going back and forth with Eric Bieniemy uh, last week, and I, but you know, I I think if you're able to to stop the run as effectively as they did last week, uh, which is going to be the Titans' strength, uh, it's going to be hard for Tannehill to throw the ball, uh, right? Like Robert Woods hasn't you know played all that great this season. Traylon Burks is coming on, uh, but even he got banged up a little bit last week, so. Uh, you know what? I think it's uh, I think it's time for Frank Reich to hand the ball off forty five hundred times to uh, to Jonathan Taylor and pass it for uh, to him for another uh, seventy five eighty yards. And uh, what did what was the line from Afro Man? Uh, Colt forty five and two zigzags, baby. I'm on those Colts. <clears throat> That's the whitest thing you've ever said. <laughs> you. You've said some bad dad and dad <laughs> jokes and whatnot, but that is the whitest, daddiest joke you've ever said. And uh, and somehow, oh, I still, thank you. <laughs> somehow I still let you talk on this podcast. Um, all right, uh, you and Vito both on the Colts on this one. Oh so, God, I do not like my allies this week. <laughs> either you and Vito are going to crush it, and I'm going to be in the doghouse, or uh, no, no, Vito's do. So we're that. good. Vito's uh, do play, play the odds there. Um, <laughs> We're right. good. Next up, uh, the next two games are probably the two worst games of the week as a whole. The Bears at the Giants and the Jets at the Steelers. I'm pairing them Oof. together because both are three-point favorites for the home team. Giants minus three, Steelers minus three. Figured we can knock these two out together because, honestly, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot to talk about here. I, I Daniel Jones continues to look like Daniel Jones. Uh, the Giants have the worst offense in football so far, uh, or second worst behind the Bears. So we have the two worst offenses in football going up against each other. Uh, the Jets and the Steelers, Trubisky, who the hell knows? I mean, he, so far he's looked like the same Mitch Trubisky that we saw in Chicago. Uh, the Jets hoping to get Zach Wilson back, but if I'm a Jets fan, you're hopeful because you, you're hoping that Zach Wilson comes in and all of a sudden it's great. Realistically speaking, I don't think – that's an improvement. Like, I think weirdly enough, it's a little bit like, you know, um, Trey Lance and Jimmy G where it's like, maybe it's the lesser of two evils and you take the one that's a little more experienced there. Um, I, I'm going to take, I don't even want to pick either of these games. If I'm being totally honest, um, <laughs> I'm going to take the Steelers to beat the, to cover the jets. Um, God, the giants and bears. Oh, um, I'm going to take the Giants. What's crazy is one of these two teams is going to have three wins. One of these two teams, the Bears and the Giants, is going to be three and one after this week. And neither one of them deserve to be. Um, No, especially when you throw the ball 12 times. I'm going to take the Giants only because of Dabo. Dabo. I almost said Dabo. Um, Dabo and Saquon, who both look good. But, God, the Giants have no wide receivers now. Um, That guy was at Richie. He's like the number one wide receiver target. Um, mm-hmm. But, and, and the Bears have Roquan Smith to go up against Saquon. All I know is that Bears Giants is my uh, lock of the week, my, my pick of the week for our, uh, for our prop bets. I'm taking the under 
Um, oh. we, we can be in it together. That was my prop bet. <laughs> All right, then we're in it together. 39 and a half. Yeah. Um, and the, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to take the bears to cover the three because I think there's, there's a better chance that this ends in a, in a field goal some way or another. And this is just <laughs> ugly football, both sides. So I'm taking Chicago plus the under. You're a, an absolute genius. That's exactly what I have. Uh, I have Chicago in the under. Uh, the under is 14, two and one since 2020 in home games for the Giants. 2020, no one was allowed in the stadium. So, uh, home team or home crowd, not necessarily a factor. Uh, so yeah, under, um, and as far as the, the pick against the spread goes, look, I, the underdog is five and one in the, in the last six meetings against these teams. They've played each other a lot lately because they're at the bottom of their divisions. Um, and, and that's how the NFL scheduling works. So, uh, look, what it comes down to it, the Bears don't throw a lot, but their running game is is dynamite. David Montgomery's banged up. Not sure if he's going to play, but Khalil Herbert last week had like 157 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So way more than a serviceable backup for David Montgomery if he's not out there. And if he is, like, look, if you throw Khalil in the mix, obviously you're going to you're not going to throw David Montgomery back in there 100%. So. Uh, I think the running game is enough, and, and that's the Giants' weak point right now. Their secondary is is a little bit better than I expected. Uh, but Justin Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields doesn't throw the ball uh, anyway, so that doesn't matter. Um, and then on on Pittsburgh and the Gi- uh, the Jets, uh, Jesus, pick them. Uh, like I I don't I could I have not cared about an NFL game more than not caring about this one this this week. Like, it's just asinine. I'm going to take the Jets. Fuck it. I, like, who cares? Three weeks, uh, I, I think, three weeks in a row on the Jets. Yeah, they're going to do it, man. Uh, cool Joe. Joe Flacco back there at quarterback is going to start slinging the pill. Well, that's the uh, thing, though, because Zach Wilson's expected to start. Uh, if Zach Wilson starts against this secondary, that would be a mistake to me. A, because you're rushing him back, and B, because uh, you're playing a really, really good secondary uh, so far. And he's going to be led so by Minka rusty, Fitzpatrick. too. He's going to be rusty. You don't want that. Pick pick another team uh, down the down the line in the schedule, uh, and there's probably plenty of them for for uh, for the Jets to to take advantage of. Um, I don't have their schedule up in front of me, but uh, don't rush him back against a secondary who's going to absolutely torch him for like four interceptions. Let Joe go back there and throw the ball. He's been comfortable. He's been fine. Uh, three hundred yard passer uh, over the over the first three weeks of the year. So let him go back there and throw to Garrett Wilson and, and just well, let things thing happen. Too. Elijah Moore has had doesn't so, look like Garrett Wilson's going to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I mean, Elijah Moore's been been great. He's just haven't hasn't been getting the ball. Uh, running a lot of of target shares. He's leading the team in uh, in uh, snaps uh, at wide receiver. So get him the ball. I don't care. And Brees Hall is gonna is gonna wreck this uh, this defensive line too. I well, mean, and I, it, I'll say this: I actually think the Jets are probably the smarter pick because you're just taking the points between two bad teams. Yeah. So you'd rather yeah. have the points on your side than them not be on your side. And yeah, I'm sitting though, here trying to justify it with football stuff, and it's just at the end of the day. And that's like, the thing: it's just God. like, am I real? <laughs> Do I really like? I like. I didn't want to. T- I didn't want to think. Of, I didn't want to pick on that strategy for both of these games. I, I I knew I was likely to probably take the points for Chicago. I like the way Khalil Herbert looks. At least you know Matt. Uh, uh, Jesus, Justin Fields will scramble Eberflus. around. <laughs> yeah, Matt Eberflus. Um, the way that you know Fields will scramble around. Um, 
And I think you can at least run a little bit on the Giants as we just saw that the Cowboys were able to at least mm-hmm. run a little bit uh, last uh, on Monday night. So, yeah, I I just didn't want to take the points in both games, even though that's probably the smart strategy. Um, Vito took the Giants. So we're both fading Vito there. And then for the first time this week, me and Vito both on the same. Uh, we're both taking the Steelers and you're on the Jets. So uh, let's move on here to... Uh, probably the best game of the day, if we're being honest, uh, and a potential preview of maybe the AFC championship game, the Buffalo Bills in Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are a three-point favorite at home. This is going to be the week that I think the Ravens defense finally gets exposed. Um, they've kind of quietly given up a lot of yards and quietly given up a lot of points to pretty mediocre offenses so far. This offense is different. Um, and on top of it, I think the Bills are pissed. And honestly, this is a bet for me that I'm betting on the Bills fortitude as a team. This is a bet where I'm, I'm betting on the Bills' ability to bounce back after a devastating loss to step up and say, you know what? Because every championship team needs to get punched in the mouth. I was talking about this on Tuesday. Every single championship team needs to get punched in the mouth. And the, Bills, like the Eagles will this weekend. And the Eagles are going to have it at some point too. I, and I'll be fascinated to see how the Eagles respond to it because you can well, either fold to it. I mean, you can be like the Cardinals last year and start off eight and oh, and then you lose a couple of games. Next thing you know, you get ship pumped in the first round of the playoffs as a wild card team, right? against the inevitable Super Bowl champions. You have to get kicked in the teeth. You have to lose a game because, as as Tom Gimple told me for years, you know, it's, it's not about what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you respond to it. And this is a chance for the Buffalo Bills to respond to a devastating loss and how quickly can they turn it around. And on the other side, Lamar's been flawless. In my opinion, Lamar's been the MVP of the league so far. He's been unbelievable. I saw a, a crazy fantasy stat. Yeah, the top, oh, I know. Yeah, I it's saw the, this too. It's like the top five fantasy players uh, in fantasy football this year. Number one is Lamar. Number two is Josh Allen. Number three is Hertz. Uh, I forget who number four is. It might be Herbert. Uh, and then number five is Lamar, but just throwing the ball. <laughs> so it's like Lamar, Lamar. Just as the passer, Lamar, is a top five yeah. fantasy player this year. Um, but this Bills defense is good. Now, the secondary is still a problem for Buffalo, and that has a very good chance of being on display here. But at least Buffalo has a strong second, has a strong defensive line, has a strong linebacking room, and I think that will at least help them. I think this is a high-scoring game. This is the other one that I was flirting with uh, for my lock of the week as an over. I still think the over at 51 right now is a great bet. If you're looking for something else, because uh, I think this is going to be a high scoring game just because Buffalo's secondary is as banged up as it is. But I'll tell you what, despite all the rookies and everyone else that they were starting there, they did a pretty damn good job against Miami last week and holding that Dolphins team to the, what was it, 22 or 21 points, whatever they finished with, 21. So uh, I think Buffalo will have a good chance here. I'm taking the Bills to cover the three points. This is a big bounce back week for them. I think they put up like 40 against this Ravens defense. But it was the speed that beat that Bills defense uh, against Miami last week. And Rashad Bateman has plenty of it himself. And Devin DuVernay, for that matter, too. And Lamar Jackson. Uh, so I think being able to work those three guys, J.K. Dobbins is back in the mix. Uh, 
Mark Andrews, who had a huge game last week, I think will will be a little quieter this week, but will be a, a force to be reckoned with, of course, as he always is on the field. He's a threat wherever he is. Uh, I think this offense for for the Bills or for uh, Baltimore is going to outshine the fact that that their defense is going to give up a little, a little bit like the game last week in Miami. And look, the the Bills, you know, coming back with the fortitude. Good luck. I mean, they left everything on that field in Miami. Everything, literally everything. Uh, so if they come back, kudos to them. Uh, and and you'd be absolutely one hundred percent right, Jeff, about uh, about the fact that that uh, it's it's how you respond to that. I just think that that turnaround time is is going to be it's wild. Like, and they get two extra days than the than the Dolphins get, uh, but. Man, that's going to be tough. They they were so gassed uh, last week, and I think that that the speed of of the Ravens' offense is going to be too much uh, for them. And then the defense uh, for Baltimore just does enough to keep it in front of them. Four and zero in their four. Uh, the favorite is four and zero in the last against the spread in the last four meetings. The home team is four and one. I'm taking Baltimore in this one. Taking the home dog in Baltimore, which look a home dog, you're 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 getting Baltimore as a home dog. That's a great bet. Just just flat out on that and nothing else. That's a great bet. Um, I just I I just I love Buffalo. I think Buffalo is really really good, and I think a big bounce back. If they're as good as what a lot of us think that they are, this is a game that I really think they have to show out and they have to win. Um, all right, next up here, let's talk about. Uh, last game here in the one o'clock window as well. We who, have, who did Vito have? I'm sorry. Sorry, Vito had Buffalo. Okay. So me and Vito are on Buffalo. You are on the uh, Ravens. And uh, it's we an opportunity. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Um, you're already in first place. You don't. You know. You don't need any more. Uh, all right. Last game of the one o'clock window, or at least the early window, depending on if you're listening East Coast time, West Coast time. Uh, the Chargers going to Houston. The winless. Texans. Um, that's the one thing is like everyone's been saying there's only one zero and three team. Well, there has been. They another don't feel team, like it. There has been a team that hasn't won a, another team that hasn't won a game yet this year, and it is the Houston Texans. So the Raiders don't have complete. You know, they're not completely by themselves. We'll put it that way. Um, you know, they they are zero and three. Uh, but you're right. The Texans don't feel like that because the Texans have seemingly fought through every single game. Uh, right now, the Chargers are a five point favorite on the road. I'm not going to be that guy that picks against the Chargers. However, I'm looking at their full injury report right now. Rashawn Slater pretty, done, pretty done for the year on injury reserve. Joey Bosa's on injury reserve. Jalen Guyton's on injury reserve. Uh, Donald Parnum, questionable. Corey Lindsley, <clears throat> their starting center, questionable. J.C. Jackson, questionable. Keenan Allen, questionable, but expected to play. And then obviously the an- injury to Justin Herbert. So a whole lot going on for this Chargers team who everyone, and I said this and everyone did the same thing. I said, let's see it with the Chargers before you, you call them champs. You know, you want to crown them, crown them as uh, the old, well, who was the coach who said that? We let them off the hook. No, that was, that was uh Herm. Who is it? You want to crown their ass, crown them. The old Cardinals coach. Oh, come on. Dennis Green. Dennis Green. Thank you. Um, but that's how I felt about this Chargers team. Despite the fact that I've been on this podcast, a Chargers fan, and I love Herbert, and I love Brandon Staley. He's the greatest quarterback in the league. And I want this team to be good. 
But geez, man, like this is you have to you have to win this game. Even banged up, you have to win this game if you're the Chargers. Uh, the question is, and I do think the Chargers will win the game. How do they do it? If I were to ask you how many rushing yards does Austin Eckler have this year, how many would you say? Uh, I'd say probably just based on what I've watched, I'd say under 160. 80. Oh, wow. It was, Austin was Eckler doubled. <laughs> has 32 carries for 80 yards, and that was before their all-pro left tackle got well, what's he? What's he getting out of the backfield catching the ball? Because that's usually where his his money's made. But, but he still has had 32 carries through three games. Like He's still averaging almost 11 yards per carry. I'm, I'll pull up their receiving stats so right now, but uh, let's see here. Receiving Austin Eckler – 21 catches for 139 yards. That's not impressive. No. Right now he's know. right now he's averaging less than what? He so what he had 80 yards. He's averaging less than uh 70 yards of total offense per game. And that's that's your RB1. Mike Williams has 11 catches so far through 3 games. He's got two touchdowns so he's got 11 catches. I mean, right now the top receiving options are Gerald Everett and DeAndre Carter, who each have 150 yards of pop. Now, again, is that enough to get past a Houston team? Sure. Is it enough to get by without getting scared by a Houston team? That's a different question. Sony Michelle, 47 yards on the ground. Joshua Kelly, 40 yards. 177 total rushing yards so far in the season for this Chargers team. That's not good. That's not winning yeah. football. At the end of the day, we can we can be blown away by Justin Herbert and Mahomes and all these unbelievable quarterbacks, but football is still won fundamentally on the ground, in the trenches. Always has been, always will be, no matter how fucking fancy we get with the passing stuff. And no matter how many guys try to tell you otherwise, that is where football's won and lost. And I know that makes me sound like an old, crotchety, old-school football guy, but you can't argue it. Every single champion, with the exception of, like, the Eagles, you know, when they put a, and, and Brady, when they had the, the most yards in an NFL game in the history of football in one game in a, and just also happened to be a Super Bowl. You can look at every Super Bowl and the team with the better offensive line and the better running game wins more often than not. And the Eagles were that that year, too. That game just happened to be done through the air. So I love Herbert. He's got he's averaging 900 yards or sorry, he's averaging 300 yards a game through the air. He's really, really good, but he needs Keenan Allen to play this week, which so far it's expected that he will, which is a huge, huge bounce and and gift for him. But I I don't know, man. Houston's kept every single game close, and and weirdly enough, I have a feeling this one might be the same way. Yeah, one of of the things with with Herbert that – has made him successful was being really good against the blitz. You know, even when he didn't have a good offensive line in front of him, um, he was, he was the best quarterback against the blitz uh, because he, it was, it was not sitting back in the pocket, waiting for the play to develop, get the ball out, uh, you know, two, three, four seconds. Um, it was uh read, read, read pop. Uh, and that's where uh, Austin, like we, we just talked about Austin Eckler, uh, made a big difference because it was re re read. Okay, Eckler's open in the backfield and he's got the quicks. Let's go throw the ball to him and let him go run after the catch. Uh, and so I think now, especially with the offensive line decimated as it is, the defense is just getting absolutely obliterated. 
uh, with injuries. I mean, Joey Bosa being out is huge. They already have JC Jackson hasn't played this year. Derwin James is a walking injury. Uh, and so, I, you know, if, if the Chargers defense can, can keep it in front of them, uh, Houston's a frisky team. Damian Pierce is going to be able to run the ball against this team. Right. Well, that's uh, the thing on the opposite side, Damian Pierce has like almost 200, I think he's over 200 yards on the season already. Yeah. And he like, broke out last or, or week. He's, or he's that was below it. Yeah. And he broke out last week. So I think for the Chargers, you have to go back to the basics, right? Herbert's injured. You're not going to want him to sit in the pocket and risk taking a sack. Is Mike Williams going to get open against Derek Stingley? Maybe. But if Keenan he doesn't, Allen he's got the size. Will. Is Keenan Allen going to? For sure. But I, I'd rather with a banged up offensive line have Justin Herbert. And this is not saying this as a fantasy owner or the guy who's touting Justin as the uh, as the greatest quarterback in the league, which he is. This is just pure X's and O's, right? If you want to let an injured Justin Herbert have success, get the ball out quick. Go back to basics. Get it to Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler is a big game out of the backfield, uh, and I think this is one that the Chargers win because Eckler has you know close to 100 receiving yards and and a touchdown or two through the air. Joshua Palmer too has been good. Run him through the slant. He's a big body. You can get him the ball. Throw it on his hands. Uh, Look, I think the the at the end of the day, the Chargers are just too good of a team to to lose a game by. What did you have the line at five? They're by five more than a touchdown. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm on the Chargers in this one. Well, the Chargers are favored by five. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. The what you said lose a game. I wasn't sure which one. Um, I'm taking Houston. I think this is a close game. I think the Chargers win, but I think it's a closer game than the line suggests. And I think Where's this Vito is. At? Vito is also going to take the Chargers here, so I'm by myself on the Houston pick, which might be a bold Christ. move, but uh, we will see. <laughs> That's right. a, no, I like it. I like it. Honestly, if there was if there was an island to be on, Houston as, against the spread that over the last, I think almost ten games, I think they've they're, they have had a seventy percent clip of covering when they're and I think the, I think they're underdog. I think they're three and zero so far this year against the spread. Yep. So they are. They're they're a feisty team. They have some pieces. I like the way their defense competes. Um. I, I don't know. Again, it might be stupid. It might be weird, but I just, I like, I don't know. I like Houston and I I'm, I'm worried with the chargers, the, the everything that the chargers have going on worries me. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. But before we do that, football is finally back and a read from our friends at Alliance accounting. While you spend your weekend researching for your fantasy team, assembling your feast for tailgates, and watching four straight days of football, you can binge watch football every week with the assurance that Alliance Accounting will have your back when it comes to all your tax needs. Prep your waiver wire ads while Alliance preps your personal tax forms. Check the grill at your tailgate while Alliance checks for all available tax deductions and credits to score your maximum possible refund. Review and submit your fantasy lineups while Alliance accurately and thoroughly reviews your tax return and files it for you. Record all the great football and memories you can while Alliance records your business and personal finances with their trusted bookkeeping services. The team at Alliance Accounting is here for you so that you can be there for your team. Don't wait. Contact Alliance today before the October filing extension deadline on October 17th. That is Week six, that is less than uh, three weeks away, folks. So get, get ready on that. 
Visit Alliance Accounting today online at allianceaccounting.com. That's allianceaccountingacctng.com or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting. Once again, that's online at allianceaccounting.com, allianceaccntng.com or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. All right, quick break. We'll be right back, and then we will take on the rest of these picks, and we will tackle some of our favorite college football lines on the other side. Moving on to the 4 o'clock or the late window for you West Coasters. Uh, Not a great slate for some of them, but I will say the Sunday night game is great. Only three 4 o'clock games, and uh, I'll be honest, none of them are good. Uh, Arizona at Carolina. New England at Green Bay without Mac Jones, and then Denver at Las Vegas. I will say the Denver-Vegas game uh, is the most intriguing for me, um, just given it's a everything. a must win for both. Oh, 100%. And just given everything that both of those teams are kind of going through, particularly on the Denver side, I just – I'm fascinated to find out when Denver's – when it's all going to click for Denver. Like, hey, maybe we should start, you know, I don't know, playing I mean, football. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um so we'll we'll see. Uh, by the way, I, we have to talk about this. Did you see the the Russell Wilson subway TikTok? Yeah, I did with the with the sandwich and about Holy how dangerous it is. Serial, how killer. spicy. You thought you thought let it or let's ride was creepy. That was way creepier. I, and the thing is, you know, it's not a bit with Russell Wilson. Like you know that well, he's, he, he he's did got that, a killer instinct. He did that. <laughs> He did that so sincerely. I have not been made more uncomfortable by a video on social media in a long, long time. What part did it for you? Because for me, it was the second line where he was like, be careful. It's spicy. (laughs) The one for me was the when he whispers in, he goes like he pulled a Steve from Blue's Clues where he goes, have you ever done something dangerous? (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. Like as if we're doing a call and response to him on our phone. Like you see that video and you're like, and it's a wrap. It's not even a sandwich. Like he says that to you and you go, huh, Russ, you know what? I never thought about it. Have I ever done anything dangerous? But he literally, it was a call and response. It was literally, he was being creepy serial killer, Steve from blues clues. Like if you, you could cut up Steve from blues clues and put ominous music behind it. And he, he would be a serial killer. And that's essentially what Russell Wilson did. I, I am. I was kind of already out on Russell Wilson. I'm as far out as I've ever been on Russell Wilson solely because of that video. That, yeah, dude, was the creepiest <laughs> thing. And uh, PFT from uh, part of my take, he did a uh, call and response, like like split screen TikTok to Russ, like answering his questions. It's called and a the- stitch, Jeff. Whatever. I don't fucking know. I'm not, I'm not hip with the kids. Well, but, get amongst it. But PFT had a, had a, a line on Twitter that was like this, the entirety of this monologue feels like uh, Russell Wilson is a serial killer that has you tied up somewhere with duct tape around your face. And I can't, I can't not see it that way. It's so <laughs> fucking horrifying. That's good. It's so <laughs> bad. It's, it's, it's the cringiest yeah. Worse, who is his PR team? Who is Russell Wilson's PR team? And this is why I need Vito to be on the pod right now because 
he might be able to defend Russ against Nathaniel Hackett or against an offensive line or whatever. There is nothing you can do to defend Russell Wilson. He is slowly just digging himself into a grave. And the worst part is, is he he finished that video, and I guarantee you, they hit they hit, you know the director goes cut cut, and he just looks at him and goes, nailed it, fucking nailed that. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was so confident that he crushed that video. It's the most horrifying <laughs> thing. Um, we want to do it again, says the producer. No, we got it first take. Let's go. No, no, you're you're great, Russ. Let's ride. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> we'll get to that game in a little bit. Let's start off with the Cardinals and the Panthers. This game's in Carolina. Remember last year, last time these two teams played, Cam Newton, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, that's right. You had two one, touchdowns. From one cringe quarterback <laughs> to another, um, the Carolina Panthers are one and a half point favorite. That's it's honestly that line shocked me because I do think the Cardinals are a better football team than the Panthers, but I will say the car, the, the Panthers defense is good. Like at this point, I just think the Panthers defense is legitimately good. Uh, and they're going to go up against an offense that has no cohesiveness. That is completely all over the radar. And I, I, I kind of want to take Carolina in this game. And it's a point and a half. They're coming off their first win. I thought Carolina would be frisky. Uh, I, I think Chris McCaffrey is going to be able to run the ball, though he was showed up on the IR in the uh, injury report this week as well. He's got a bruised thigh, um, but I, that's one of those injuries that typically guys will play through. Um, that being said, the Panthers cannot throw the ball, so if McCaffrey's not there, then I definitely would lean the Cardinals. But right now, with one and a half points, essentially pick them, I'm going to take the Panthers. Yeah, not a bad. I mean, look, I'm I was surprised as I'm sure you were with how Arizona's defense played against the Rams last week for most of the game. Uh holding Cooper Cup to 44 yards was was no small task. Uh and then, you know, forcing beyond that, just forcing Matt Stafford to make decisions uh in uh, with their secondary defense. And then of course Marquise Brown uh who had his breakout game despite not finding the end zone. I still think that like this Arizona's offense is still figuring it out and, and they're trying to figure it out without a run game. Like when James Conner got hot last year, it was like, Oh cool. Like we've got a run game that we thought we didn't have. And uh, now we have uh D hop uh, and, and AJ green and Zach and well later in the season, Zach Ertz to throw to. Uh, and then of course, Kyler leading the, leading the whole thing. But this year, it's probably more of what they thought last year was going to look like with James Conner mm. in the backfield, where it's like, eh, we'll get what we can get. James uh, Conner has been banged up too. Yeah, and, and so you get what you get out of Conner. the The offensive line's been pretty bad for the first two weeks. Better last week, I think, especially considering the fact that they were playing the Rams' uh, defensive line, which is the best one in in the National Football League. I think Kyler has enough in the tank. Uh, in the in the toolkit really to get this one done and you got to involve Marquise Brown a little bit more the secondary is where you're going to be able to expose the Panthers defense you're not going to be able to run the ball as well as you think you could uh, especially for the Cardinals like I said who who have been not great running the ball period uh, so I think Kyler has enough in the tool bag and in the arm to to pull this one out uh, either by himself or with his arm so uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals actually uh, with the one and a half all right, uh, Vito's on the Panthers with me. Uh, next up, we have the New England Patriots at 
uh, Lambeau Field. Sorry, my brain just froze there for a second trying to remember the name of Lambeau Field. Uh, the Packers are a nine and a half point favorite. Um, did you hear the news about Brian Hoyer this week and not that he was going to be starting quarterback? No. Do you know what Brian Hoyer's actual first name is? And, and credit to Field Yates from the Fantasy Football Podcast. He's the one that, that discovered this. I do not. <laughs> it's Axel. Like Axel Rose? Like Axel Rose. Brian Hoyer's first name is Axel. And so is his dad's wow. first name. And I'm sitting here being like, why the hell hasn't Brian Hoyer gone as Axel Hoyer all this time? Because Axel Hoyer is a starting quarterback for Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Right. Axel Hoyer has a has a, a an incredible Pac-12 career back when he was playing college ball. And even as a quarterback, he probably would have been a better starter if his name was gone. If he had just gone by Axel this whole time. Axel Hoyer. Unbelievable. So Axel yeah, Hoyer. Probably who, a starter. <laughs> he will be exclusively referenced to on this pod is Axel Hoyer from now on. Uh, Cleveland, starting, Ohio guy, too, Vito. There you go. There you go. Uh, starting for the Patriots. Kind of disappointed because I wanted to see Bailey Zappi play in this game. Um, just with everything he did in college, it it gave me all the makings of of Brady and and Bledsoe 2.0. You know, they they put in the unproven rookie who who somehow by surprising odds made the team during camp, and uh, a bad injury happens to the starter. He has to be helped carried off the field like Bledsoe did against the Jets all those years ago. And Brady comes in and, and oh my god, can game. we talk? Can we talk to for a second about Mac Jones? First of all, the flop out oh, of bounds. Well, the flop out of bounds was bad. I'm not going to fault him oh. for for being in that much pain for a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains are fucking awful. Like it's they, bad. You almost want worse. it broken. Oh yeah. wait, you definitely way 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 more. I mean, LeBron missed like two months with a high ankle sprain. You know, like I would 10 times rather have a broken ankle than a high ankle sprain. Um, but so I'm not going to fault him for the and that whoever no. that photographer was did him dirty with that picture of him getting dragged off the field. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't a good look for our boy, Mac Jones. Um, <laughs> but I was really hoping to see Bailey Zappi in this game. I'm not going to lie. That would have made this game more interesting to me than seeing Brian Hoyer, who we've seen a million times yeah. go out there and throw I'm here nobody. for Brit. I'm here for Bailey Zappi. He was thrown to my uh, my leading Penn State wide receiver, Mitch Tinsley, last year at Western Kentucky. How about all, that? All-time leader in a single season for touchdown passes in, in FBS history, Bailey Zappi. Uh, he broke Joe Burrow's record last year. Uh, however, we will get Brian Hoyer. Uh, and with that, I don't think this Patriots defense is the Patriots of old. I, this offense, sure, shit isn't. And now we have Brian Hoyer in there. Maybe we get a little bit of backup quarterback magic, but I think this Green Bay defense has found its stride. Um, if they were able to do what they did against uh, Tom Brady last week, I don't think they're yeah. too concerned with uh, Axel Hoyer there. So uh, I'm taking Green Bay to cover the 10, uh, nine and a half. I know that's a lot of points, but I think this is going to be a blowout. Uh, and honestly, this is probably the best number you're going to get all day. So give me the Packers. So it's just hilarious. Look, no, I, I, and I'm with you, man. I think, I think offensively there's the strength of the Patriots is going to lean on the run game. And it's really, again, boomer bust, whether you get Damian Harris in the end zone, Mondre Stevenson's been great out of the backfield, but again, none of the wide receivers has, have done enough to prove themselves. Jacoby Myers had one good game where he caught a lot of yards. He still only found the end zone twice in his entire five-year career. 
Okay. Uh, uh, who's the other one? Nelson Aguilar, who's had one one good catch, really, and then uh, that, and Devon, that and yeah, and and the fumble. And Devontae there too. Parker had one fifty six last week. Like I get it, but that's with a good thrower thrown to him. I, and no disrespect to Axel, uh, he's been a very serviceable backup quarterback uh, throughout the years here, uh, and and I expect uh, Bill Belichick to to have a a quarterback that's ready to go but here's the the problem that's been this entire year has been the fact that they have a quarterback that's ready to go but they don't have an offensive coordinator calling the plays we've said this week in and week out on this podcast which maybe it's like that might actually weirdly enough help because at least you have a quarterback who's had josh mcdaniels for you know five years and has been around the nfl and knows football better than mac jones but sure the talent and everything's not there it makes me laugh like every time when they cut into a patriots game and they're trying to drive when they're down in a game and it's like here's a clutch third down play and they're panning to matt patricia with his hands on his knees going like holy shit we got to make the right call here and it's like captain captain pencil what are we doing like get an offensive core um and so so for that i look the patriots i i never want to doubt bill belichick but nine and a half like i have green bay's offense running all over this one aaron jones has been electric so far since week one aaron Rodgers, of course is going to do aaron Rodgers. romeo dobbs has stepped up and been an unbelievable receiver i believe he's leading the team in snaps and and target share at this point uh after after week three and so I think that the ability for the Packers offense to figure out who they are and get more dynamic we've seen over the last couple of seasons is starting to come up, come to fruition here in uh, in 2022. And I think it's going to be no different here in week three, despite a Bill Belichick defense, which is not impressed uh, so far this season. So I'm all over the Packers at nine and a half. Yeah. And the other thing too, is it feels like Romeo Dobbs has, has become the guy that Rogers can at least trust a the little trust. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lazard, another one who he, he at least knows Christian Watson, um, limited participant at practice. Quest, this week. Yeah. He's got a hand. Um, but there's a bunch of guys. I mean, Lazard, AJ Dillon, Christian Watson, uh, David Pakhtiari, all listed as questionable. Uh, Jair Alexander listed as question listed as questionable for this uh, Packers team. <clears throat> but I, at the end of the day, I mean, the guy that he seems to like the most, Oh, is Romeo Dobbs. And then, I mean, Randall Cobb had a couple of nice plays last week too. And and I just, I don't know, man, I don't trust this Pats defense. I mean, they were getting lit up and not that, I, I mean, I talked about how much I like Bateman and Devin Duvernay has been really good through the first three weeks, but like those aren't guys that you should be expecting lighting up a Patriots defense. And if they can do it, Christian but, Watson, and, Alan and Lazard, Steelers, and Romeo Dobbs can too. The Steelers were moving the ball against them. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Like that's, that's the big thing for me too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think the Packers won this one big. Uh, All right. Let's talk about Vito on Vito is on the Packers. We're all on the Packers there. Beauty. Uh, Let's talk about Vito's Broncos and one Russell Wilson uh, taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas. The Raiders are a two and a half point favorite looking for their first win of the season. And I'll tell you what the Raiders They've been playing like one good half of football every single week. Um, And I I just, the Broncos defense, people have been saying the Broncos defense looks good. I can't tell if they look good or if they've just played bad offenses. 
They played Seattle, which is a bad offense. They played Houston, which is a bad offense. And then this past week, they play uh, – or then the week before, they played San Francisco, who was a bad offense. Or sorry, this past week on Sunday night, they were a bad offense. And even still, that opening driver in the first quarter drive, San Francisco goes all the way down the field, scores the touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. There's at least weapons on this Raiders team. And I don't know if the Broncos' defense has really been tested. (laughs) What? You didn't say we we don't have any weapons in San Francisco. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I mean, San Francisco has weapons. Um, we just, just turn the ball over and run out of the don't answer. have. A, yeah, it was, I mean, it was. It's more the quarterback that's the issue for San Francisco. Right. Um, you don't have. You don't have competency across the board on offense, which at least the Raiders have that. Right. Like say what you will about mm, David Derek Carr. Not a quarterback. But, yeah. Derek Carr is <laughs> a, yeah at least prolific. Will throw the ball around. Uh, whereas Jimmy G is going to be much more conservative with the ball. You know, you have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, hopefully will be back. Darren Waller, Mac Hollins, who apparently is good now. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, I, I like the Raiders here. And and this goes back to what I was talking about on Tuesday with Vito, which is the the human nature uh, that exists, right? Uh, I was talking about this in, in response to the, the Colts and the Chiefs. Sometimes when your back's up against the wall, one team's more desperate than the others. We talk about this in the NBA Finals and the NBA playoffs. When a team is up 3-0 or 2-0 or 3-1, one team's just going to play with a little bit more desperation than the other. And the Raiders have to win this game. Uh, Josh McDaniels had to have a one-on-one meeting with uh, – uh, oh, God, why can't I think of the, the name of the Raiders owner? Mark Davis, um, which could not have been fun with his P.F. Chang breath. Uh, coming across the table for a solid 30 minutes. Uh, so I uh, I don't know, man. I'm just – I'm riding with the Raiders here. I think this is a big win for them, and there's nothing about the Broncos that make me feel confident. The Raiders have at least been competent and, and have actually looked pretty good during stretches of the season so far. The Broncos haven't looked good at all, with the exception of one Russell Wilson scramble drive at the end of the game on Sunday night to score a touchdown um, – and I don't think they get better anytime soon. I'm taking the Raiders minus two and a half. I am. I'm going to be with you. I think that, and this is not to sound like an embittered San Francisco fan who lost by one in a, a horrible grinded out game last week in Sunday night football. It's because of what I saw. The Broncos had one good drive all night. Yeah. One. Uh, and it was when they let Russ kind of go and just let him do his thing and, and, and sling the ball, uh, you know? Uh, and then obviously they get, they get involved in the, they get the touchdown with the run game, but uh, that's because Russ got them close uh, throwing the ball. So I need to see more of that out of the offense consistently for me to believe that they're a legitimate threat. Like we thought they would be uh, this potent offense of, of the Denver Broncos uh, for Vegas, just like, it's a double-edged sword, right? On, on the one hand, it's like, um, dude, you don't need to throw to Devontae Adams so much and make it look so obvious that uh, you love him, Derek Carr. And on the other, now 0-3, it's like, hey, dude, you should probably throw to Derek Carr or uh, to Devontae Adams more uh, because he's good. I mean, the, uh, targets probably... have, the targets have been there. It's just that it's not been particularly accurate or teams right. are just double-teaming them well, like crazy. Derek Carr. Uh, that's the difference between Derek Carr and uh, and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, you have that. Uh, but look, despite all of that, you still have Darren Waller. 
you still have Matt Collins, who's apparently good, like you said. You still have Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, who is a decent back and is good at catching the ball out of the backfield, better than we think, probably. And so your offense should be better. I think that this offense has enough uh, to get to get something done against uh, against the the Denver Broncos defense, who is very good, no doubt, but hasn't proven to me like they their offense similarly has not proven to me uh, how good they are. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking the 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 numbers here. Vegas is five and one, or the Raiders rather are five and one uh, against the spread versus the Broncos since moving to Vegas. Um, so I'm going to take the Raiders too, Jeff. I'm with right. you. We're both feed uh, fading Vito. Wow, that was hard. We're both fading Vito, who uh, unsurprisingly took the Broncos. All right, two more games left here. Sunday night we have the Kansas City Chiefs at Tampa Bay. Chiefs are a one point favorite. Um, Two teams coming off of losses that, I mean, these are two teams that team people thought could make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I firmly believe that the Chiefs are the better offense. Um, I also think the Chiefs have a really good defense. Now, the Bucs will get Mike Evans back, but the Chiefs, I think, are just at this point the more well-rounded team. Chris Jones is going to have a very favorable matchup going up against that defensive line. The nice thing about a guy like Chris Jones, you can put him anywhere on the defensive line that you want. So if the weakness is in the interior against Tampa Bay, that's where they're going to put him. Uh, he was on- a monster in that game, and he was the most upset at the loss last week. Hundred percent. Did you see him on the bench after they get when the clock hit zeros, and he was just like staring into the distance, like like he was going to pounce on on whoever came in front of him. And this week it's Tampa Bay, so yeah. And and I just I like this Kansas City Chiefs team. The one thing in years past, right, with the Tyreek and Travis thing, and and last week it looked like it almost hurt them a little bit. Tampa Bay would key on Kelsey and Tyreek and make it hard to get those guys the ball. This is one of those things where we've seen Juju have big plays. Uh, We're still waiting on Sky Moore to make some plays. We've seen MVS have some plays. uh, And Kelsey's just been continuously good. I think Kelsey will continue to be good because he's just impossible to contain and over long stretches of time. He's going to get his eventually. Uh, And for everyone who thought that Kelsey was going to have a down year this year, um, yeah, no, he hasn't he hasn't quite hit that tight end wall just yet. So uh Kelsey looks fantastic through three weeks. I like this Chiefs team a lot, and I think the Chiefs go in there as a one point favorite. Again, essentially a pick them unless they happen to win by one, even so you're gonna get the push. So uh the way I look at this is it's a pick 'em, and I'm taking Kansas City. I, I think the success of this Chiefs offense for for as much as they need their their receivers to break out and for Travis Kelsey to continue being Travis Kelsey. I think the way they win this game is with uh, the commitment to what they've they've done out of the backfield with Claude Edwards-Hilaire, both running the ball and passing, uh, right? He, he's He's got a touchdown in every game this season. He's got three total on the year. How many uh, rushing yards week, did he have last week? It's not important. How many I, rushing telling, yards did he have last week? It's not impo- I'm not talking about rushing. You're not going to run against this defensive line in Tampa Bay. I'm talking about using him out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And that's where he's been most effective this season. Uh, and, and so I think that's the way you win. But uh, look, I I can't take Tom Brady out, especially so like, especially the way that they've played over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the the close game in in or the uh, the comeback in New Orleans, which wasn't much of a comeback, it was three points. Uh, but the the way they finished that game and then in week two and then last week 
uh, just a, a sluggish, grinded out game that they should have probably won against Green Bay, despite how good Green Bay's defense was. Uh, Tom Brady looks almost human at this point, right? Like, can we say that? I think Tom Brady looks fine. I think the rest of the team around him looks. It's everyone horrible. else. Okay. I, I'm not yeah. putting it on Tom Brady. The the arm strength looks fine. Getting the ball out on time looks fine. He he to me looks no different than he has the last two years in Tampa Bay in terms of the velocity, the pocket mobility, the way he's seeing the field. None of that seems to have slowed up with Tom. To me, everything else with Tom is he's got third stringers at two different starting spots on his offensive line. He has his last week. He was down to his you know, arguably fourth best wide receiver as his number one option. And he's throwing to Kyle Rudolph and Cameron Brait as his best tight end option. And Russell Gage. <laughs> and they also only have one running back this year that they trust. There is no running back by committee. There's no Ronald Jones and Leonard yeah, Fournette what's duo. Weird. It's weird because like going into the season, we heard a lot about Rashad White being the guy who could be that change of pace that is like completely serviceable like Rojo was uh, in that backfield for the past two years. Um, and, and we haven't seen like any of it, like Leonard Fournette's had, had the, the lion's share more than the lion's share of, of, uh, of the snap counts. So, uh, you know, I think all things being considered, this is a, a settle down, get it right game, uh, for Tom Brady, who, who usually shows up on the big stage. Plus they're, they're a playing the elements and B, if they do play this game, I think they're going to have a lot to play for. Uh, given the uh, the weather uh, surrounding the the area that's uh, supposed to hit Tampa Bay, so uh, well, some might say they're they're preoccupied. Some might say that that there's a lot that that they'll be fighting for, and I think it's going to be that one. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay. And if they do end up not playing in Tampa Bay, Minneapolis uh, in Minnesota Stadium is the likely uh, spot that they'll. Oh, uh, I thought it was play. Miami. No, Minneapolis. Um, at least that's that's what I heard today. So, I mean, I, I guess that's up in the air, and that's all TBD still. Uh, like I said, we're recording a little bit earlier all, than we know. It's all TB12 still. <laughs> True. Uh, all right, last game of the week, Monday night, Rams. Oh, it was Vito. Sorry. Sorry, Vito is on Kansas City. So, Vito and I right. are on Kansas City. You are on Tampa Bay. Uh, Monday night, we have the Rams going to San Francisco. The Niners are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, look, I know the Rams have not looked great so far. Uh, they've let teams back into it, but for San Francisco to be the favorite here after what we saw on Sunday night, um, I know the history between these teams. I know that San Francisco has traditionally played the Rams significantly better. Um, but the last time these two teams played was an NFC championship game and the Rams found their way into a super bowl and on their way to victory, um, pass away. One pass away. It always it always works out that way. It's always one games. pass away with Jimmy G. Always. <laughs> um, I just I don't know, man. With no Trent uh, Trent Williams, um, that's a huge loss, and it's only going to help yeah. Aaron Donald and the rest of this Rams team. I know the Rams are also down basically all of their secondary, with the exception of Jalen Ramsey. But you got the one guy that matters more than anybody else on that team. Bobby Wagner's there, which will help a lot against the run defense. He was not there in years past. Uh, and the the Niners defense looks good. I mean, this is a game that I contemplated again for the under being one of my picks of the week, one of my lock picks of the week. Um, but I'm going to take the Rams here. I think there's just too much talent. The injury concerns plus as, as poorly as Jimmy G played the running back depth at San Francisco just doesn't really seem to be there. They have not found a way to get Debo involved. 
Kittle just came back last week. He had a, you know, four catches for like 50 yards, something like that. Um, I mean, he could be a potential matchup person there, but um, so far we just haven't seen it from Kittle because he's been injured, which is kind of the story of his career over the last two or three years, despite as, as much as I love Kittle. So my favorite players to watch in football, same thing with Debo. Um, I like the Rams. I think the Rams are the more complete team. I could see the Rams getting out to a lead and blowing it. And somehow San Francisco comes back late. But again, with the Rams being the underdog, I like the Rams to pull out the win here. So I'm taking the Rams and Vito is also going to be taking the Rams. So make the case for your boys. I feel like I know you're, I feel like I know where you're going. I know how much you hate LA and I, it's obviously your team too here. So, yeah. Um, I initially had the Rams, but I think, I think the injuries in the secondary, uh, man, Trent Williams being out is huge. Uh, but the injuries in the secondary for the Rams, uh, are, are going to be a big problem. Uh, their their weakness is linebacker, so I think George Kittle is going to have a really, really big game. Uh, this is the time for him and Jimmy G to connect. They've been favorite. That's been his favorite target over the over the past few years. Um, and then, you know, don't try so hard if you're if you're Shanahan play calling. Like I'm the expert telling Kyle Shanahan what to do, uh, but don't try so hard to get Debo involved. That's going to come when you open up stuff. Uh, with 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 Kittle and uh, and you know if you can hit some big passes with receivers uh, early in the game, the running game is a question mark, of course. But I think the defense does enough to keep us in the game, and I trust Jimmy G and Kittle to combine and, and get us over the hump. Robbie Gould, kick me the win- game-winning field goal, please, and thank you to cover the one and a half for the Niners. Well, the Niners covered by one, you know, with that one and a half line last week. So maybe they'll do it two in a row for you. Uh, All right. That's our NFL picks for the week. Again, we will update you uh, on the standings again on Tuesday once all these games are played. Let's take a look at our five college football games that we are going to be picking this week. Uh, We have Bama at Arkansas, number two Bama at number 20 Arkansas to start off here. Bama's a 17 and a half point favorite. And look, I know Arkansas, they were up 14 nothing. The fumble return for the touchdown really kind of took all the wind out of the sail for the Razorbacks. Razorbacks are a good team, and they're one of the few teams that up front or on the uh, offensive line, the line of scrimmage, that can handle Alabama. I like Arkansas here. I think Arkansas is going to find a way to keep this at least within two scores. Bama, despite the fact that, yeah, they blew out Vanderbilt, and they blew out, you know, whatever small FCS team that they played a couple weeks ago, you know, they're going to do that. That's, that's what Bama does. Um, but this is their first big test since they played – uh, against um, Texas. Texas, and I think I think yeah. Arkansas is going to give them uh, a little bit of a run for their money. So I'm going to take the Razorbacks here. I am terrified at the fact that uh, in a uh, in a year where Alabama is uh, is trying to recover from their terrible year last year, what was the verbiage? Uh, rebuilding at, year. Rebuilding, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, that they have. They have done what they've done so far. Uh, I was telling you in the break, you know, I heard that uh, Will Anderson in the, in the uh, presser this week uh, asked when asked uh, uh, what was his motivation? He said uh, the audacity for the other team to step on the field and for their fans to show up and, and root against us is motivation enough line. for me. It's, it's killer, man. It's killer instinct. And I think that that is what 
he and this whole Alabama team, that's their identity this year. And I think they they roll into to uh to Fayetteville and just knock the absolute socks off of Arkansas. So I'm gonna take this it's a lot, but I'm gonna take the 17 and a half and go with Alabama. I mean, it's not a crazy pick though. I mean, like because I, I flirted with it too. I honestly I think I think it's a really solid line. Um, I, I mean, hell, if they beat Arkansas by 20 points, you know, or 18 points and barely cover the spread, that's still an ass kicking to do on the road. Uh, the one thing that scares me is like they had they had their scare early in the season. They had their almost loss against Texas. Uh, and now they have they've found a way to fight themselves back and look amazing since then. But they, we also don't know if that's just Bama being more talented or if they've really turned a corner. So it's a little bit of a bold point pick, but I'm just taking the points there. I just I feel a little bit better with that. Uh, all right, next up, number two, Wake Forest coming off of that crushing double overtime loss to Clemson, going up against number 23, Florida State. Uh, Florida State ranked in the top 25 for the first time uh, since, I believe, uh, the first year of Willie Taggart being the head coach of the Seminoles. Now Willie in, Taggart. Now in year number three with uh, Mike Norvell, I uh, look, one of my best friends in the world is a diehard Florida State fan. What I am for the Eagles is what Andrew is for the Seminoles. And I really, really want to pick the Seminoles here. But they're a seven point favorite. Jordan Travis got knocked out of the game last week. He's supposedly going to be playing, but it's going to be banged up. Uh, and Wake Forest still has one of the best offenses in college football. To me, this is Wake Forest all day. I'm, I'm shocked at this line. I would have honestly thought it was closer to like Wake Forest being favored by a point or so on the road. Um, so I'm taking the uh, the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. I'm with you. I'm glad it's not that because uh, that line, Wake Forest by one on the road, because uh, I would have taken Florida State in that case. A touchdown favorite at home against a team that really played well against Clemson, who's the number five, four, five team in the country, um, was Wake Forest last week. So and a team um, that put up how many points against one of the top two defenses in college football? Exactly, exactly. Like Florida Sam State's Hart- had a great year, but they're not that on defense. Sam Hartman can play, my guy. Sam Hartman can play. And, and look, Tallahassee is going to be a tough place to to play, especially this weekend. Hopefully, they get the game in, uh, given the weather, and and hope everyone goes responsibly and safely. Uh, but look. Sam Hartman can sling the ball. Wake Forest looked really, really good against uh, against the the number two defense uh, in the country last week and put up a lot of points against him. It surprised me last week. You know, there was a there was a ton of plays that that almost looked broken in the end, uh, like at, at first sight, but they were kind of designed. And it was just like Sam Hartman uh, dropping back two steps, taking a step up in the pocket, and floating it up over uh, an open receiver. I don't think Florida State's secondary is any better than Clemson's is. And Clemson's, for as good as their defense has looked all year, was really weak against uh, against Wake Forest receivers last last week. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, – I'm with you. I'm going to take Wake Forest in this one. Give me the Deeks. All right. We're both on Wake Forest. Next up, uh, number seven, Kentucky. And no, folks, we're not talking about college basketball taking on number 14, Ole Miss. And I'll just tell you right now, Scotty, I had Ole Miss written down and I scratched it out because Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite at home. I really, really like this Ole Miss team and I honestly think they're going to win this game. I think it's just knowing Kentucky, knowing how that that team operates, 
knowing Mark Stoops, Will Levis, how gritty, how good their defense is. And I love Jackson Dart, and I'm so impressed with what Lane Kiffin done. I mean, Ole Miss is the quietest four and O team in college football right now. Um, their offense is electric. This is good offense against good defense and uh, a, a, an okay you know, offense going up against an okay defense, right? So it's really which side of the ball's team is going to play better. Do I think Ole Miss's defense will make more plays and force Will Levis into making more plays than I think uh, Ole Miss's defense or, or do I, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I'm sorry. It's been a long day, um, but I, uh, I, I do think this is going to be a really, really fun game. Objectively. This is my favorite game of the week. It's a noon game. I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, I love Will Levis but I think he's going to be more prone to making more mistakes than he is going to make more plays against Ole Miss because I think Ole Miss's offense is going to force them uh, and, and force Will Levis to put up a lot of points. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that against Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss's defense hasn't looked great this year. I do think that Ole Miss's offense with Jackson Dart, one of my the, the best name in college football, uh, when it, at least when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, so I'm taking the uh, – Kentucky Wildcats to cover, but I do think Ole Miss wins the game. I think it's within a touchdown. Yeah, I think so too, but I think it's the other way. I think Kentucky wins this game. Mm. Um, uh, I do, but uh, you know, Ole Miss is going to be tough, man. They they faced a tough Tulsa team last week who's really, really good against the spread and, and is really, really good on the road. Uh, and, and so f- I think that was that win took more out of uh, Ole Miss than it needed to, especially headed into a tough game, a, a tough conference game uh, against a top ten opponent. I, to me, it's to me it's Kentucky covering the touchdown, uh, just because I, I think Will Levis has the talent, and I think, uh, like you said, like the defense is is going to be to be able to make the stops when they need to. We saw Tulsa do it last week, uh, and, and Tulsa's offense against uh, Ole Miss's defense getting into the game and be able, being able to cover the spread, uh, which was 21, but the game was still much closer than that uh, still last week for Ole Miss. So I, I, I like Kentucky at a touchdown here. All right. Uh, next up, NC State at Clemson. Clemson survives a scare from Wake Forest, and they're going, going up against a really good NC State team. NC State looking at an opportunity here to uh, to knock off the top team in the ACC. This is a top 10 matchup, Clemson at number five, NC State at number 10. Uh, and, and again, six and a half points for Clemson at home. I Right now, I'm not going to lie, I'm leaning towards NC State. I think NC State's the better football team, top to bottom. I think after the scare against ECU week one, they bounced back really, really hard. But at the same time, the only real quality win that NC State has on their schedule so far is Texas Tech, which we saw Texas Tech beat Texas, right? They're not a bad team, and they beat them by 13 points. Uh, and on the opposite side, this world-beating Clemson defense just gave up 45 points to uh, and to uh, Wake Forest last week, which is a great offense. But Clemson has – or uh, NC State has a really good offense too, 36 points a game, uh, averaging less than 12 points given up, whereas Clemson's giving up 21.2 points per game. Uh, 458 total yards of offense for Clemson, 411 for NC State. Uh, Meanwhile, Clemson's giving up 346 total yards, 270 yards in the air per game, and they're going up against one of the best quarterbacks in college football in Devin Leary. Yeah. I I like Devin Leary. I like NC State. Give me the points and give me the Wolfpack. 
I don't know, man. Dabo's proven it time and time again that uh, that their defense can be elite, uh, regardless of of the two down years that they've had uh, over the past two. Devin Leary is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I have him. I have him right up there in, in in elite company. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He can sling the ball all over the place. And like I just said a couple of minutes ago, we saw Sam what Sam Hartman did slinging the ball uh, over that that Clemson secondary. Uh, at home, though, so I think Clemson figures it out uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and I think that uh, the fact that uh, that uh, NC State's not a very good rushing team is going to help. Uh, that that kind of helped open stuff up last week for Wake Forest against Clemson, uh, especially considering the 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 secondary coverage dropping in, uh, in, in into run coverage, and, uh, and and I think Clemson just figures it out. I, I got them by uh, six and a half here. Scotty taking Clemson to cover the six and a half. And our last game of the week, uh, it's pro- it's not the most attractive in terms of uh, rankings, but I think it's the most fun game of the week, and that is Oklahoma State, number nine in the country, going to Baylor, uh, number 16, rematch of the Big 12 championship last year. We know Baylor has that one loss, the double overtime loss to BYU earlier this year. Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders finally looks like, hey, maybe there's a little bit more consistency than we've seen in years past, but Oklahoma State has yet to play anyone big. I will say this, the uh, the Pokies are coming off of a, um, a bye week this week, which does work in their favor, but this Baylor team is really, really good, and Baylor is minus two at home, 56.5 at the over-under. What say you, Scotty, between the Pokies and the Baylor Bears? Yeah, this is a better's nightmare because both of them have like double digit wins uh against the spread over the last two, three years uh of college football. Uh, so look for me, this is this is about who's who's got the better defense so far this year. That's been uh Matt Aranda's Bears. Uh and and I, I really think Baylor is is a better team than than the the uh the numbers suggest so far this year. Uh, I I really like the fact that Oklahoma State's coming off a bye, but I I am I'm decently in on this Baylor Bears team this year. They're nineteen and two, uh, nineteen nine and two against the spread since twenty nineteen, including that uh, conference title game against Oklahoma State last year, which was a tight one, uh, ended within uh, two and a half points. So I'm going to take Baylor here. Uh, All right, at at home. I'm with you. I'm taking Baylor as well. Uh, the, the Honestly, the biggest reason why is Baylor's had to play in a really tough environment on the road against a really good BYU team and honestly should have won that game. Um, got really, really tight down at the end, lost in double overtime. Baylor's good. Baylor's a really, really good team. They were my favorite team. They were my pick out of the Big 12 this year. Uh, and I like Oklahoma State. I'm impressed at what they've done. I don't think Oklahoma State's the number nine team in the country. I think they're a really good team. I think they're a top 25 team, but I don't think they're quite at that top 10 level. I think Baylor still is the best team in the Big 12, and I think they'll prove that on Saturday. I think they win the game by at least five to seven points, somewhere in that range. I'm taking the Baylor Bears. Uh, but I expect it to be a fun back-and-forth game. I just think Baylor gets it done late to uh, to win that game. And when it's minus two – you don't see a lot of spreads that close in college football. Uh, you know, even even when you, you know we had multiple games, everything was a touchdown. Uh, Bama was seventeen and a half. So to get it this close, pick the team that you just like better. And I like Baylor, so that's where we're at. Uh, all right, that's all we got on the pod today. Thank you to Scotty, 
Thank you for uh, to Vito for sending in his picks. We didn't tell him what college football games we were, so he didn't send his picks in for college football. Um, thank stay you for listening. Stay safe, Florida. <laughs> everybody stay safe with uh, Hurricane Ian going on. Now we have some listeners down in that area, so everybody please be careful. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy the weekend. Another great weekend of football because it's always great when football is in our lives. And we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody.